Welcome to Digitally Creative. I'm your host, Vincent Ferrari. And joining me this week, not from my shop as planned, but still the same guest as planned, I have Christian Neary from Warren Works. What's going on, Christian? How hey, you hey, doing, how's it going? I'm, I'm doing well. How are you, Vincent? Good. We were going to record. So the plan was um, we were going to record Monday when you were in my shop. And of course, that was the plan. But then the logistics of the plan kind of fell apart because it's like, yeah, I'm going to record with four different cameras, try to get that working with the audio. I probably could have done it given a little more time to plan it. I could have maybe gone the day a day earlier and set it all up. But then I was like, you know what? We'll just do it old school for now because I ordered myself something that I'm going to show off in future episodes. I haven't opened it yet. I've told Christian about it. Christian is yep. as intrigued I as I am. I know what it is. <laughs> he sure does. Um, but yeah, we had a nice little we had a nice little um, adventure Monday yeah, in was, my shop. It was great. A whole whole last minute Vince visit and not vincent um but uh yeah it was it was perfect i needed a little project engraved and i uh messaged vincent and he, he was like yeah come on down so we hung out and and put, stuck it in his glowforge and i got to experience glowforge for the first time which was really cool it's it's such a it's such a fun little machine i know it i've said it a lot here i love it i just wish it had if they made a glowforge xl i would never buy anything else i'm so I'm happy with the glowforge don't. Yeah, I I'm, I mean they I just they will at some point. They just dropped a new feature yesterday. So as we record this, I always like to let people know as we're recording. It's February eighth, so they had a big event yesterday, um, February seventh, and they announced something that I have no use for, but I can okay. truly see where people are gonna their minds are gonna be blown by it. They've essentially integrated Dolly and Midjourney into the oh, Glowforge cool. app. So you could say, give me a picture of a husky surfing on a snowboard in, you know, the middle of July. Right. And it'll give you an engravable. So one of the cool things they did was all the stuff that you pull up is designed to be engraved on the Glowforge. It's not just like a full color photo that you have to figure out. It's an engravable image straight off the bat. And I was like, hmm, I don't have a use for that. But I can truly see where a lot of people would really, sure. really be excited about that. So Yeah, that's a cool feature. Yeah. And of course it's only available if you have Glowforge Premium, which I do not. But um Right. It was weird having you in the shop because you are the first you're the second maker I've ever had in my shop, but oh, only wow. the first that I've ever actually worked on something with. <laughs> it was cool. You know what I loved about your shop? It was the only shop that I've ever been in that had wallpaper. <laughs> and I, I actually really liked that. I was like, this is a cool aesthetic. Yeah, it's it's funny because that room, so way back in the old days, um, there was another where we, it's hard to describe, but there's a row of offices and there used to be a, a that used to be a hallway and there was another row of offices opposite it. They ripped oh, okay. all those out. That's where all that storage is. Those used to yep. be more offices on that side. Interesting. Yeah, and then they... Um, so my office was the conference room at one point. Oh, that's crazy. My, my shop was the conference room. It was the biggest office in the and it was perfect for a shop. It's a good size. I it is. just Oh, I just wish it was about 8 feet longer and it would be a perfect shop. It would be right. the absolute perfect shop. It's it's a good size, but it would be a great size if it was about eight feet longer. I feel the same way about my shop. If I had an extra eight feet, it would make a, a huge difference. Right? Like, I'm not even trying to get greedy. I'm not saying double it. Like, no, just another, like another half a normal, like another normal size room right next yeah. to it would be perfect. 
Right. But I don't look gift horses in the mouth and I don't pay rent for this shop. So um, I am very, very happy where it is and how much I pay for it. Yeah, <laughs> so, absolutely. You can't beat that. Yeah, it keeps me going. So you are, I met you like I've met most of my local friends at Jimmy Speedway. That's right. We and did I meet there. I believe it was this past summer, right? I didn't meet you the summer before. Summer. It was this past summer. This was summer. the first time I went. Yep. Oh, it was the first. Okay, perfect. So then it was definitely this summer then. Yeah. Yep. And um, you had just or you were just about to leave your day job at that point. So at that time, I was part-time. I had just gone down to part-time. So I was there twice a week. I was only there Monday and Tuesday. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was kind of just testing the waters. Well, I had initially tried to quit my job and my boss talked me into staying part-time, which, you know, it actually made the transition a little bit easier because then I could just kind of slowly take on more work and, and ease into, um, you know, pursuing woodworking full-time. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I had just, just started that new schedule of two days a week. Yeah. It's um, that's a, I love being able to do that with my company. I did the same thing kind of, I mean, I was still, kind of semi full-time i wasn't quite part-time i was semi full-time i just didn't do the day job on fridays oh nice that little bit of extra time and i can totally respect you doing that because that i know how much that little bit of extra time that extra day you know i know how much it meant to me oh sure it must have been crazy to have like only a couple of days at one place and then have all the rest of the times like this is my thing now. <laughs> yeah, the the real difference that shocked me was when I actually went to completely doing my own thing full time was those two days. It felt like my time like doubled because I was like, I don't have to worry about anything else at all anymore. Yeah. And uh, I was like, I hope two days more is enough. And it was like it was like I had a whole extra week. Because <laughs> I just didn't have to worry about anybody else's projects or anybody else's timelines, and sure, it's but, uh, it's it does change. I mean, I know when I when I lost the day job, um, I I your perspective on what you do changes a lot because yeah. it's like I'm not I'm not trying to cram as much as I can into like two or three days. I can come back tomorrow. <laughs> it took it took, and I'm not going to lie, it took someone I was dating at the time. You know, I was, you know, I had finished up on Sunday and I was like, and I was talking to her on the phone and I said, um, I said I was kind of bummed because I didn't feel like I got enough done over the weekend. And now I had to wait till Friday. And she goes, why? Do you have to wait for Friday? Right, right, right. And she goes, she goes, just go to the shop tomorrow. Right. And it clicked in my head. Like I, I had been off my day job for two weeks before I realized Oh, right. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday are open now too. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So it was actually kind of funny. Like when I was getting ready to, you know, make the full leap and leave entirely, I didn't know exactly when I was going to do it. And I was in the middle of a project. I can't even remember which one, to be honest, but it was Sunday night and it was like nine o'clock and I was like, I have to start wrapping up and getting ready to go to bed. And I was like, (laughs) I just don't want to do that right now. And so the next day I just told my boss, I said, I'm going to hang it up. And and that was that. Uh, Yeah. And you haven't looked back since i love that i love that um i love that the way i found out that you were doing this was through jimmy yeah um, that's incredible right like it's 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 i mean he brought he brought he brings so many people in our area together to begin with but it was so Absolutely. cool hearing him go hey you know this this guy there was this guy you may have heard of and i'm like oh Look at him talking about someone I know. That's kind of crazy. Yeah, and he, I, he got really emotional because you actually thanked him 
for inspiring you to just pursue what you love rather than just slogging through a day job that you didn't anymore. Yeah. One of the things about his podcast that he always talked about is, you know, he, he says, well, what if you try something and it does work? Everybody always is worried about what happens if it doesn't work. And he said, look at it the other way. What happens if you go for it and it does? And mm-hmm. that was all I needed to hear. And uh, that was kind of what started my whole process of how am I going to get out of the day job? And uh, when I first met him, I was a little bit starstruck. Like I pulled up my van and I didn't, I was like, where do you want me to park? And he's like, oh, just pull out right there. He's standing in the parking lot. And I got out of my van. And I was just like, dude, can I give you an effing hug? And he's like, <laughs> he's like, yeah, man, what's up? And I was like, you've changed my life. Like you've made such an impact. And and it was, and then to hear him talk about that on the show with you, um, I was working in my shop when I heard that and I was, just, I just stopped. Like I was about to run something through the table. So I just stood there in awe. I was like, I couldn't believe that he remembered all that. And uh, it was really something that I was taken back by. I've said it a million times, even on this show, but his recall is frightening. Like he, That's exactly it. Cause there's a hundred people there at least that day. I yeah. mean, who knows how many interactions he had. I was so unprepared. So the first time I went, to jimmy speedway was the year before okay and there were only about 30 of us there like it wasn't a lot of people it was super fun and i had a i had the greatest time ever and i got to see people that i'd never seen in person so i was like yeah i'm definitely going next year like i was so looking forward to like i was ready to go i can't wait for this year and then i pulled into the parking lot this past summer i couldn't even figure out where to park and i'm like Oh my God, there's so many people here. <laughs> like, I actually, I, I couldn't figure out where to park. And I'm like, well, I'm just going to block Jimmy in because I know he isn't going anywhere. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I'm, I'm thinking that this summer is going to be even bigger because he's yeah. talked about it a lot on his show. And totally. And, uh, I'm, I don't know where people are going to park. Probably across the street would be. I my think guess. you're going to, I think there's going to be a lot of people parking across the street this year because there's just yeah. no way. Like, it's going to be crazy this year. I'm actually really looking forward to this year's more than I was even looking forward to last year, just because there's going to be so many people. And again, people that I know, people that I've come to look forward to this event, particularly because I get to hang out with them, you know? Yeah. And you can, you can totally keep your eye out. There will be a Warren works cart at some point in, in my yeah, typical fashion, it'll probably be getting done the night before, but mm. um I will definitely be building a cart this year. I've started to design it already, so I'm very excited to be building that. I think one of the most I think one of the most fun parts of the event in general. You know, everybody talks about how Workbench Con, the most fun part is the networking. I think right. the most fun part of Jimmy Speedway is the networking. Just getting to hang out like that after, you know, after people have run around the track a few times, like at the end of the night, you and me and a whole bunch of other people were just kind of sitting around, just kind of just chatting. It was just the nicest, like just a bunch of just dudes just chilling, chatting. Right. And I remember that was the first time I'd actually seen a maker knife in person. And I was like, whoa, like, and there was like 10 of them, like everybody around that (laughs) circle had one. And uh, that was, that was really cool. It's, it's a, it's a great event. It's, 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 I think that's, it's weird because we all get portrayed as makers. We get portrayed as like introverts and people who don't like social contact. And yet when you get a bunch of us together, none of us can shut up. Like no one wants to leave first. (laughs) Right. Well, I mean, because we do this niche thing and and you talk to the average person about making stuff and they, they don't, they don't, uh, connect with that as much and then you have a whole group of people who identify like their whole life is based around this thing right and y- you could just talk forever with these with these people yeah and yeah. and 
to to be fair, most of the people, that's a good point because most of the people that I ever tell, you know, oh yeah, what do you do? Oh, I do woodworking and jewelry making and, you know, digital fabrication, all that stuff, digital design, graphic design. They're like, oh, that's cool. And that's about as far as the conversation ends up going. It's like, yeah. you know, occasionally I get to show people what I do. I'll show people something on my YouTube channel and it's like, oh, like, I didn't know you did that. That's really, that's really neat, you know? Right. But I, we all respect that about each other. Like we love each other's expertise. Like I love talking to people about what they do more than I yeah, like talking and, about what I do. And that's the beauty about the maker community. I think is that people are so willing to share and, and talk. Like I used to be really into cars and the car community was very negative. Like everyone wanted to kind of talk trash about everybody else's car. And there's just none of that here or very little. Uh, like people are always just like, check this out. And this is a cool thing that happened. And um, I think makers are just, they're just good people. I think I figured out what it is a long time ago. Whereas in other communities, the competitiveness is outwardly directed where I'm competing with the people around me. Makers right. com makers compete inwardly. We compete with ourselves. Absolutely. We are only competing with our last project. I don't, Yeah. you know, when I make a piece of jewelry, when I make a piece of jewelry, I'm not making a piece of jewelry to be better than other people making jewelry. I'm making a piece of jewelry that's trying to be better than the last piece of jewelry I made. Something more interesting, something more colorful, something doing something that I've never done before. Right. Like what can I learn in this this piece? And yep. And, yep. And I'm yeah, not trying, I don't I don't look at it competitively. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, you you're fine. But that's but, that's that's it, right? We're not competitive with other people. We're competitive no. with ourselves. Right. And I don't, I like that. Like, I don't want competition. The whole reason I do this is almost to kind of get away from that. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, you are, one of the things I love about your YouTube channel is its evolution from projects to, you have really like thrown yourself into something that I think is utterly insane. And I am so <laughs> enjoying watching you just achieve it. I mean, we are now five weeks in yeah five weeks in six weeks in six weeks i in. just did the sixth build yeah yeah, yeah so, six. so the sixth well you just did the sixth build of the one Which day build challenge me, actually yes i love by the way when we started recording the first thing i noticed was like oh wow you found a place for it that didn't end I up did. that one didn't end up in the shop <laughs> no i was worried about hanging them in the shop because they're glass and and i don't want them to get broken that was another thing. You did glass. Like I never make picture frames with glass. Like I was like, Jesus Christ, man, stop overachieving. Make this look <laughs> bad over here. I love glass. Glass is a cool material, but it is uh it is kind of dangerous in, in that it scares way. Scares the hell out of me. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, yeah, so you yeah, so the, you got the idea from you got the idea from from Jimmy to do a project a week and write them on a deck of cards, shuffle the cards, pull one out and see what you're making. Yeah, he said something about that. And this was on a podcast a long time ago. And I mm -hmm. think I went to I went on a trip with some of my friends to Utah last winter. And I had just heard that episode. And I was like, I'm going to start writing ideas down. And this is last February. I was like, I'm going to do this. And so I'd written, you know, almost 50 ideas down. And um, I was just like, I need to start start doing this. And then I kept putting it off. I was like, I don't know when I'm going to actually go about this. And then Suddenly it was like almost New Year's and I was like, if I'm going to actually do this, I'm just going to start it on January 1st. So I, I made the, the first video on January 1st, released it on New Year's Day. And so far we've got six more up and uh, we got 
you know, 40 something more to go. It's a perfect way to start the year. Like you've started, you literally started this at the perfect, perfect time. I am so impressed by a couple of things. One that you've kept it going consistently as well as you have. So kudos to you. I probably would have been frustrated or slot. I definitely would have done the projects. It's getting the videos up that would have probably been lagging for me. So kudos on that. But number two, you had 52 freaking ideas. I don't have 52 ideas. I have so many ideas. It's, <laughs> it's, it's crazy. I mean, a lot of these ideas are just things around the house, though. Like, I've had these posters for, for months. Like, mm-hmm. I, I should build picture frames for those. And that's one of those things. It's like, oh, I'll get to that someday. And how many projects do you have that I'm going to get to that someday? And you just never do. So this is it kind of, you know, killing two birds with one stone is I'm getting all these projects done that I've wanted to do. And I'm making videos, so it's something that's fun to watch and and share with everybody else. And and it's it's just fun to put a spin on something and do something creative once a week. That's you know not a customer project and and just yeah, move so, on with that. So I was going to ask you that because I've done I've done you know situations where I've tried to keep content going you know on a specific schedule. And really, the only thing that goes on my YouTube channel on a consistent schedule is this actual show, which is fine with me because this show is I don't mind being known by this show. And then, you know, occasionally have a build or a project or a resto or whatever. How do you manage to fit that weekly project in with client work? Because I I don't I mean, I don't know if we've made it clear enough so far, but client work is where you're making your money right now. Your client work is essentially your day job. So um, how are you balancing these two things to keep both of them going? There's just not a lot of balance. It's just um, I'm in my shop almost all the time. Like the, I have an install that I'm doing tomorrow and I'm just wrapping some of that stuff up. Like I was in my shop until three o'clock this morning. And uh, so I just work a lot. And um, Sundays, every day, every week on Sunday, that's what I do my one day build. So the whole day I spend doing the build. And then usually that night I'll, I'll try to throw the edit together. So you- so you're legitimately doing these in one day. You're not doing like I know. I know there've been a couple where it's like, okay, you had to wait for glue to dry, so you've yeah. only put one day of hours into it. I, and I think everyone right. understands that that's the only way that it'll happen. But you're legitimately doing these in one day. Yeah, for, I mean, for the most part, there have been times, you know, I've put finish on the next morning, or, or put finish on, and then the next right. morning I'll, I'll finish it up or whatever it is. And um, but that's really the goal is to try to do it in one day. And one of the, the oddballs I threw in there is a one day chair build, which I have no idea how I'm going to build a chair in a day, but I'm going to figure it out. And that one I, I have to do in one day because it's just, it's just that, that part of the challenge. And I think that's going to be really I fun. Bet you're that hoping one. that card comes up in like November. Like you don't want that card to come up anytime soon. <laughs> I don't care if it comes up soon. I just don't want to be in the middle of a big client project when it does. <laughs> <laughs> that's my biggest fear what's your what out of the cards that you put i mean i know you know what's on all of them you just don't know when you're going to pull them are there any in there where you're going how am i doing that in a day like I, obviously a chair is one of them but do you have any others where you go one, um i'm trying to think it's I, honestly even though i had them all written down it's hard to remember what they all are um there's ones that i'm looking forward to uh oh, like okay. i'm gonna build um, well, so you were talking about how we were sitting around at, at Jimmy's Speedway. Uh, we were all just hanging out talking and he pulled out of his pocket um, this little tiny ice pick. And he was like, this is the smallest ice pick in existence. So um, 
I'm going to I'm going to try to build a smaller ice pick than that. That's going to be one of <laughs> my one day builds. And when that's done, I'm just going to send it to him because I think that's funny. And, I love uh, that thing was cool as hell. The micro, it's smaller yeah. than the mini. He's got yeah. the micro too. <laughs> so I I can't wait for that one. I'm really looking forward to that one. And, uh, but that's the those are the kind of the only two that I remember. There's one that's just like make a piece of wall art. It's just so something random. Mm. And uh, there's a couple like that, like scrap metal challenge and a scrap wood challenge. So they're a little bit open ended. And those I'm really looking forward to because then it's just like there's the sky is the limit. It's interesting you said scrap metal. So you where are you? I know your competency, your core competency is obviously woodworking, but you're you. Ha- I didn't know you were into metal or are you going to figure that out in one day too? <laughs> so to, to be honest with you, I, I actually have more um, legitimate training in metal. I went really? to school for uh, machining. Yeah, I actually have this. These are some machining projects I made when I oh, was wow. at school. This is a tape measure and uh, that's this awesome. Little, this little cube. Dude, that's um, beautiful. Isn't that cool? Holy crap. That is so cool. I, um, I really hope I always tell people this. I really hope y'all are watching on YouTube to see those two projects. Yeah. Like, wow. Yeah, okay, so cool. It's, it's um, so I went to school for, I took the manufacturing program and, and we learned about machining and we had a really good um, state of the art uh, shop that had just had like $6 million of grant money or something. So there's all brand new bridge ports and CNC machines. Wow. So that, that was really a fun fun courses to take. And then I took the welding classes too. Um, and then I, my last job, I was welding. So I, I welded professionally for about four and a half years. And, oh, wow. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So I have, I technically probably have more experience in metalwork, but I do find more joy in woodworking. It's just, there's more, I find more beauty in the wood, the grain, and and I, I'm much faster at woodwork, which uh, I think helps there's a certain, well. no matter what, there's a certain Zen to woodworking that I don't think yeah. metalworking has. Metalworking is mechanic, more like mechanical. Yeah. And not, and I don't mean the stuff that it, I mean, just the processes and what it looks like. It's there's, it, there's no, oh boy, I'm going to, metalworkers are just going to rip me when I say this, but there's no softness to metal. There's no. no like organicness to it. It's very rigid and regimented and it's, that's, yep. that's not a bad thing. It's just a different no. thing. It's like working with polymer clay versus working with wood polymer clay. Right. You can make it into anything, you know, and it's, it's just a different, it's a different thing. I personally, I'm fascinated by metal work. I don't really want to do a whole lot of it. Like I prefer, I really like woodworking. Like I yeah, like it I- a lot. I mean, I, I definitely enjoy metalwork, but I'm happy I'm not doing it every day anymore. And that's the thing too. Metalwork is just so much like filthier. You get that black grinding dust all over you. Like woodwork, <laughs> you get dusty, but you just blow it off and sure, you're kind of good to go. I, um, when I do when I do any kind of like metal jewelry in my shop, well, in my craft room in my apartment, which is yep. the worst thing to do. But um, the 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 number of days after which that I find like brass dust and copper dust and steel dust oh, is yeah. amazing to me it's like I, you think you cleaned it up and you're sitting there and you feel like your desk your table's like gritty like what's all this and you run your finger down it and your fingers are like copper colored and it's like I can't get this stuff out of here like you can't get it out yeah i mean look at my hands right now and that's <laughs> i was doing some welding last night uh one of the pieces i'm making right now is for this coffee shop and it's this kind of long bar seating area and it has a whole metal surround and 
you know, it was just a little bit of welding and grinding. And then here I am, I scrubbed my hands for probably 10 minutes last night and you just can't get it out. It's, it's, that's, that's the, my dad's hands always had like, like wood embedded in them. Like you can tell, like he just had those carpenter hands. Like it's hard. Oh yeah. Those dried no, I, out freaking carpenter just hands. Like sandpaper. Yeah. <laughs> it's because it sucks that sand uh, the dust just sucks all the moisture right out of your skin yeah you know, that's that, that problems of course <laughs> oh for sure but but that was one of the probably the weirdest benefits to being a welder is my hands i could hold really really hot stuff and mm-hmm. that's dwindled off a little bit but i was at a mexican restaurant one time and the waiter came out and he had the towel on the plate and he was like careful this is hot and i was like no that's okay and i just grabbed it out of his hand and he was like oh my god you're gonna burn yourself and my friend's eyes kind of opened up and i was like no it's okay i'm a welder like no big deal and and that was uh kind of fun i can't do that anymore because i don't i don't weld every day but (laughs) that was a i was looking through i was looking through before we started recording i was looking through your instagram to kind of just you know i always like to just give a quick look just to refresh my memory one of the projects sure. that comes up that you have pinned at the top of the page is a set of stairs yep and i was telling the story so for those of you that weren't in on the conversation before i started recording which is all of you um, <laughs> i was telling christian that when i was scrolling through my feed i saw those stairs and i was like okay that's cool because i follow a lot of like woodworker interior type accounts where they make stuff that i'm not going to make i just like looking at cool wood stuff sometimes and I'm scrolling through. I'm like, oh, that's those are kind of cool. Who made that? And it's, it was you. And I'm that like, wait, wait, what? <laughs> you know. And I think one of the things that comes through is, and has come through even more since you've gone full time is that you are absolutely fearless when it comes to the projects you select to do. Um, so- it's it's kind of it's kind of one of those things that like i really vibe with that because i'm not i'm not gonna so i can live vicariously through you and let you be the fearless one and i'm totally cool with that but like the stuff you make is so it's so big it's too big for my shop but i can i figure (laughs) it out um one of the best pieces of advice i got when i was first starting this out i was talking to my uncle who's a total hero of mine and Mm -hmm. he's a he's a woodworker and now he's a designer and um i was just picking his brain and he said uh like if you ever have a project that you come across that's a little bit out of your comfort zone and i'm getting ready to hear him say you know don't you know don't you don't want to go too far and he said you definitely want to take that project on and i was like oh that's not what i expected him to say he said because those are the ones where you learn the most mm-hmm. and that was one of those projects where it really rang true i first was asked to just design the staircase and so i designed it and um then the person that i built it for he was actually one of my cousins he was like so what do you say you want to actually just build this thing and I was like, oh, I don't know. And I was like thinking about each step. And I was like, I don't see any reason I can't build this. And so I, I, I said, yeah, why not? And let's go for it. And, and sure enough, we, uh, you know, we got it in there and we, <laughs> I built this whole staircase. I have pictures of it, the whole thing laid out in my shop. And my shop is, I think it's about 19 feet by nine or something like that. It's very similar um, size to mine. Yeah, it's I don't that might not even be correct. Whatever it is, maybe it's 17 cuz I think it's right around 175 square feet. It's not yeah, it's big. about the same size as mine. Mine is so, 19 by 16. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So 
and this staircase just took up the entire thing. <laughs> and uh, it was just really funny. And I was building it. I was like, what am I doing here? Like, this is way over my head. But I, I had the confidence to say, I'll figure it out. What, one way or another, you know, we'll get it done. Um, it's pretty, yeah. it's pretty impressive. I mean, it's not even the, it's not the only impressive project you have, but it was one of those where it almost seemed like, wow, somebody I know made that like, that's kind of cool. <laughs> it, it is cool. And that, that's probably my proudest project. And I also have to say like my brother, I live with my brother and he's, he's always willing to give me an extra hand moving stuff around. And he's a total unsung hero of that, that lets all of this happen. And, uh, but that, that was another project that happened about a year ago, I was maybe a little more than that. I did this big cabinet job and uh, the company that had asked me to, to quote it out, they had me quote out a cabinet job and that one didn't come through. And then they sent me another one. And I was like, I was like, that's above my head. Like I probably can't pull that off. So I just kind of sent a big number and uh, I was like, you know, we'll see what happens. And then I was at work. This one, I was still working there full time. And they're like, yep, good to go. Send us the invoice for 50%. And I was like, oh, crap. Now I have to figure this out. And my, so FU I, number, my FU number got accepted. What do I do? <laughs> yeah, so I've, I've kind of put myself in the situation a couple times where it's like you have no choice. Like you just you just do it one way or another. And, you know, there's Jimmy's voice in the back of my head, too. Like, you know, if all goes wrong, you can always just give the money back, which I've never done. I never actually want to do that. But it's it, – there's always there's always a way to figure something out and uh you go to school on the first one like he says too so it's it's crazy right like how many times have you just think about how many times you've thought about the stuff that he said in the last it's and this is what i i always try i i i get nervous about being too gushy about jimmy but there's so many times where you're up against the wall and something he said in passing you know and as as they're closing out the show and it's like, yeah, by the way, you know, stop worrying if everything goes wrong. What if everything goes right? And it's like, okay, yeah. bye. See you next week. And it's and like, okay, that, cool. That him saying that from five seconds, like could, can change the course of somebody's life. And uh, it's, that's why, I mean, I praise him. I'm a huge fan of his obviously, but mm-hmm. it's, it's because he's had a major impact on so many of us. And, I, th- uh, I think there's, I think that's the, you know, when, when talking about this community, you know, the fact that someone in this community can inspire you to kind of pursue a dream that you have and, you know, be a happier person, pursue a career that has more meaning for you. I mean, I always talk about how Bob is like my maker father, you know, I, Bob inspired me to get off the couch and be a maker. Did he inspire the maker that I am today? Maybe not directly. Right. Cause I don't know that what I do has much relation to anything Bob does, but the fact that I do anything in any shop anywhere, that's Bob. Like it is, it's Bob. It's David Picciuto who I'm wearing a make something shirt and you're wearing a make something shirt. It was Bob. It was David Picciuto and it was Steve Ramsey. Those were the first for me too. Yeah. The first three makers who really got me to do this were those three guys. And right. then later on through them, I found, I found Jimmy and I found a whole bunch of other people. And it's like, you start meeting all these people and it's like every one of them inspires you in a different way. Some inspire you to just stop complaining and just do something. Some of them inspire you to push yourself a little harder than you're comfortable pushing yourself. Some of them, you know, may inspire you to, instead of just doing it in isolation in your shop to maybe record it and maybe turn it into content, 
you know, sure. there's always, it, it's amazing how many people around us are just pushing us in some way or another to just be better at what we do. Right. Absolutely. I mean, I remember watching some of the early Wood Whisperer videos and just like one of the first videos of his I remember watching was how to make a crosscut sled. And I had this really uh, crappy table saw that I found on the side of the road. This thing was super sketchy. I'm surprised my mom even let me take it home. But uh, <laughs> and so I tried to make a crosscut sled for it. And I'm looking at his shop and he has all these, you know, beautiful tools. And that was the first time I remember being younger thinking like, oh, I could do that too if I had all those tools. And it's like, that's such a, a poor way to go about thinking it. And then here I am years later and I have a shop full of tools. And I'm like, I hope I hope nobody views me that way because, you know, we all started in a basement or somewhere with with just the, the little things. And, you know, it's years and years of building up. I'm six years into my making journey and that's how I have all the tools I have. It took right. six years to get all these tools. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I think it's funny because it's funny you mentioned that because I've gotten that comment. Oh, oh, I would, you know, I would have been, that would, I could totally do that if I had a Glowforge or a CNC too. It's like, well, right. Work. And, <laughs> and I, well, and that's exactly it. Like all the tools have paid, been paid for by the other tools. Yeah. Like that's, that's where they came start. from. I didn't start here. This is the thing that people don't understand, right? You know, and we have to remember at times, you know, when you're putting stuff out to Instagram and YouTube, it's not just the people in the community that are seeing them. It's people outside the community and they just right. don't understand. No. What they don't understand is I didn't walk into the shop I have today. The shop right. I have today is the process of six years of refinement, selling, buying, using one tool to make enough money to buy another tool. You know, this, this doesn't happen it doesn't happen in one shot. It ha I don't know anyone that literally just said, I'm going to start doing this and bought a shop full of tools yeah, and no, that worked doesn't in the happen. same tools for six years. <laughs> right. I mean, even if you go to my, my YouTube channel and you watch my first video, I think it's called making a nautical bar or something like that. Mm -hmm. like you'll see there's a lot of tools that I have now that I, I didn't have then. And that's just been, you know, because that video I posted a little over a year ago, but I built that you know, I made that video, you know, or made that project quite a while before that. And it is just an evolution. And even, even still, I try to be conscious of that though. Like this last video I just did where I built these picture frames, I said in the video, usually I would just use a domino on the corners, but most people aren't going to have a domino. So right. I was like, here's a little more of a, and how to approach if you don't have this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I think I think what happens what happens with people people who are saying you know if I had this I I would be able to those are people that are just never going to make anything they're because never they're going to get there they're never going to have enough to feel comfortable starting and they're justifying the fact that they've done nothing but watch other people make stuff right right that, right. that that's what it is they don't understand that for the most part all of us have made trade offs and compromises oh, over the years time. to get big to where time. we are. Like I don't have a, a full size table saw, right? Right. But what have I learned? Well, I've got a really good miter gauge, and that compensates yep. for a lot of the yeah. size of the table saw. I've learned how to be comfortable pulling things through in reverse, which is terrifying the first time you do it, but it's not so scary. And now it's like all my I'm cutting boards can do turn that, that. To way. be honest with you, <laughs> it's it's terrifying, right? And but um, I was telling Christian when he was in my shop, I don't need my miter saw anymore. Like I actually asked you if you wanted it and you're like, I don't need it either. I'm like, okay, cool. But um, it's, I've gotten to the point now where I don't need my miter saw anymore. And the reason I don't need it is because I've worked around moving it in, in and out of my shop 
you know, which is what I would have to do to actually make use of it. I've worked around using it in and out of my shop so many times that I've gotten used to just not even bothering. I'll just grab the table saw and just deal with it that way. If I need to cut something longer, all right, yeah, maybe I'll take it out and I'll do a whole bunch of long cuts. But other than that, thing sits outside my shop now almost exclusively. I mean, I make huge use of the outdoors. Like when I do a big yeah. cabinet project, if it's nice outside, they're, they're all sitting outside like yeah. until, you know, and I'll move stuff around. And, and that's that's the thing too. Like it's just working with what you got. And yep. That, yep. Uh, I, I mean, I, I worked in my basement. I worked in my basement. I mean, when I, one of the things I like to tell people, you know, one of my favorite proud moments was before I started getting chemo and radiation in 2018. Yep. I recognized that I had a problem immediately that all my tools were on the floor and I would lift them up and put them on my workbench right. to use them. Well, that's not sustainable when you, when you're weak and hurt. No. And one weekend I spent the entire weekend in my shop, putting every single thing in my shop on wheels, everything. Yeah. That makes and a huge difference. It's, it's incredible because I didn't even realize yeah, it's practical for obvious reasons, right? But you know, now it's like, oh my god, it made set. It makes, oh, I want to change this around. No problem. Unlock the wheels, move it around, lock the wheels again. Now you have a whole new shop arrangement. Yeah, absolutely. I, I had to work around the limitations of my own body. I, it right. wasn't easy, right? And the idea that I just walk into my shop is like, oh yeah, no, I can just make anything. Look, everything's on wheels. It's all set up. Yeah, it's all set up because. I devoted a weekend to yeah. making it that way. <laughs> Absolutely. And and that's one of the things that I've always liked to do too. Like on in my shop I have this this tool cabinet that's full of all my, you know, handheld power tools. And I made that because I had a gap in time where I didn't have any client projects and I was like, well, this will be a good learning process. I can make some doors and I can make this cabinet and now I'll have this, you know, beautiful maple and mahogany cabinet in my my shop, which is totally over the top. But this is a great learning experience. And now it it, you know, my shop is one of those places where it's it's like my Zen place. It's the place I go where, where it's just me. So I I do everything I can to make my shop look look really nice because I I want it to reflect myself and I want it to be welcoming to me because I'm going to be in there every single day. Mm-hmm. So it's like yeah, I will take the extra time to make a an over the top tool cabinet rather than going to home Depot and buying something for 50 bucks or whatever. Yeah. I'm it's, it's interesting because I always say that I would rather not be making shop furniture and I would buy it if I could. But what ends up happening is I look at those beautiful Husky toolboxes with the wood tops and I'm like, that would be perfect for my shop. Like if I could put them all along the walls of my shop and use like, just get like 10 of those life would be great but that would be seven thousand dollars worth right. of toolboxes right you know and i know that people think all the tools in my shop i have twenty five thousand dollars worth of tools in my shop i promise you i don't you know right. it's like i just i don't nobody well, does and just because you do doesn't mean you can go out and spend a couple of grand on toolboxes right uh, if i have ten thousand dollars in tools i'm probably not liquid enough I'm for probably broke. <laughs> exactly yeah but, so what have you in your experience now that you are you know, you're not just throwing up a video as the idea hits you or throwing up a video whenever, what have you, what's your experience been like? And what have you, what have you learned so far in doing this one day build challenge? The the nice part about it is because the cards, like I draw a card and it's decided, I don't have to think about 
what kind of video am I going to do next week? Mm-hmm. Um, and that takes some pressure off. But the best part too is since I'm doing it regularly, I'm not a computer or tech savvy person per se, but I'm much more familiar with the editing programs for the thumbnails and for just, I mean, I just use iMovie, but I'm, I'm getting so much better at it because I'm doing it every week and I'm getting faster at it. And it's the same thing with any skill, just the more time you put into it. Um, but since I'm doing it on a regular basis, I'm finding that I'm, I'm becoming a lot more efficient in my editing process. And that's been really enjoyable. Any, um, any tips for people that are tr- that are looking to take on something similar or anything that you learned specifically like, Oh, didn't expect that, but that's cool to know. Um, I'm trying to think the, the, one of the tips that again, I mean, I'm not just trying to talk about Jimmy, but I just heard him say this, you know, in one of his podcasts, when, when he edits, he drags all the clips and puts them in the timeline. And that's something I've never done before until the last video I just did. Like I was taking each clip and dragging it in individually. And I was like, why wouldn't I just drag them all in? Like that saves so much time. Yeah. Trim each one to tell the story. I, I learned that exact thing a few years ago yep as a just a a speed up thing and and where the reason i learned it was because i missed clips like because i was i was telling the story i was telling the story because they always tell you when you're making a video to tell a story beginning middle end right yep and i'm like okay well and i'm going through the process in my head i'm like okay so this was the next thing i did okay there's the video of that this is the next thing i did there's the video of that and i render out the video and then i'll upload it and i'll be like yes new video yay and i'll watch it and i'll go i thought i had footage of that and i'll look and there it is and why is it there well i was telling the story and i found one clip but i didn't realize i had four gotcha yeah and i did that so many times and finally it just got to the point i was like i am just dumping everything in the timeline and i will sort it and deal with it on the timeline, but it'll be in front of me. And I can look at a clip and go, I don't need this clip, but at least I'll see it and I'll have to self edit on the fly while it's in front of me. So that's a, damn, that's a good tip. And I didn't even realize, I just do it. So I didn't even think of it as something I would explain to other people to do, but that's a really good tip. It's, it made a huge difference. And it also made me aware of how much I'm shooting. Like I'm probably shooting way more than I need to. I mean, that was a 10 minute video and it was an hour and a half of footage. Oh yeah. I'm, Oh God, the shop vlog that I did, the two day shop vlog I did, yep. I had hours of footage. Yeah, hours. I believe it. I believe it. And in the end, it was a 16 minute video. <laughs> right. And a, a lot of it too is like, I, I speed up a lot of stuff. So, you know, sure. I'll take a 20 second clip and turn it into a four second clip. Um, so that's, that's a lot of that gets consolidated that way. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's, and it's just, it's just a learning process. I mean, I still don't know what I'm doing. Um, most people actually probably nobody knows this about me and I hope that nobody really goes and digs too deep, but this is not my first time on YouTube. I have a a car channel that I did five or six years ago, actually maybe six or seven years ago. Yeah. And I did a weekly video for that for the most part. And that was terrible. That was all handheld with the iPhone, which there's nothing wrong with it, but I watch those videos now just to kind of reminisce and I'm like, (laughs) I can't even tell what I'm saying. Like, and I'm the one who made this video. So yeah, I've, I I was smart. I've had three different. This is my third YouTube channel. The prior two are gone, never to be seen again. They so will never I, be seen. <laughs> mine, I hope nobody finds. I mean, it's actually it's got like fifteen hundred subs, but I don't, I don't want to take it down because once in a while it's fun to just go back and like revisit sure. those that time oh, in I my have, life. 
I have all the videos from that those two those channels on my NAS. I have every single video, but they will never right. be seen by the public again. Like it's just never going to happen. <laughs> I don't blame you. I don't blame you. I haven't gotten to that point yet, but I might at some point. We'll see. It's it's funny. Editing is one of those funny things because you know I used this show used to be audio only back in ye olden days, and when I rebooted it and started digitally creative, I'm like, this really should be video because we're going to be talking about a lot of visual stuff. And yeah. I don't mind that a lot of more way more people listen to it than watch it. And I totally understand that. And that's why there's two versions of it. But man, but, uh, doing this every week, the editing. Oh, my God. Like I have learned so much about stuff. And I was competent editing before this came out. Like I had YouTube videos. I knew what I was doing. I kind of knew a look I wanted. I knew how to put a video together. But doing it routinely and kind of also doing it cohesively. That's the other thing that I found. Like I wanted this to be not just a recording of the show, but I wanted it to be kind of on brand. So all the lower thirds are the same font and the same color and the logo is in the same spot and the, yep. the text all matches. The transitions are all smooth, as smooth as I can make them with what I'm given. You know, I realized all these little details that I've just been improving a little bit every week, doing something well, that, else a little different. And wow, you go back now and watch the first episode and you watch, you know, the one I just did with Nick last week. Yeah. And it's like, oh, wow, he has learned a lot. <laughs> sure. And that's the, the cool thing. I mean, I use Spotify and the cool thing is that Spotify gives you the video too. So just mm -hmm. this morning I was listening to the one with Nick and he had he was showing something and i was able to just pull my phone out of my pocket and actually look at it and it's like oh cool like that that adds a totally different element that most podcasts don't have and i i really enjoy that i i it was so as we were talking as we were talking he was he is the he is the perfect guest he and absolutely um, that was a great show by the way oh thank you thank you nick is nick's a great dude you know he's yeah I, what i like about nick nick is like nick is like the perfect guest for a podcast because nick is one of those guys where you turn the wind-up key and you just let him loose and he will talk like he will tell you the story and it's like this is good i don't have to say a word <laughs> right right <laughs> yeah the host stream <laughs> yep and he'll just he'll just go and he Speaking had a lot of good stuff to say Speaking of people that motivate, you know, a, a perfect example, that exact philosophy. Um, I was listening to David Picciuto um, yep. on making it. I got um, way back when Ethan and I were doing this show, we got a recommendation because Jimmy was on. Jimmy was on Because We Make at the end of 2021. Yeah. At the end of yep. 2021, Jimmy was on the podcast and, you know, we were chatting about stuff and he gave us a recommendation. And I was like, oh, God, we're going to blow up now. And it was a big episode for us. In that episode, David Picciuto recommended somebody else that did interviews. And he said that one of the things he loved about their interviews was that the, the host would basically kind of set the table and start the guest and then just kind yep. of pull back and just let the guest talk. You and know what's it wasn't, funny? It wasn't just host, 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 all the, the whole show. And it made me very self-conscious. <laughs> No, I think you're great about that, but I think I think what you're talking about is he talked about hot ones, right? Was it what, might have been hot ones, yeah. I kind of remember him saying that, and and so another podcast I like a lot is Armchair Expert with uh, Dax Shepard, mm -hmm. um, and that's like I don't care about movie stars and celebrities at all, 
and most of his podcasts are interviewing movie stars and celebrities, but his way of interviewing and the questions he asks are really unique. And I find the same thing with your podcast. Like there are people I don't know and I'll listen to and I'll be like, that was a great question. You know, you talk about when you had Jimmy on, like everybody knows, you know how to use a bandsaw and you started in a sign shop. You know, we don't need to hear another podcast about that. And exactly. and you'll ask him a question that's that's a total oddball. And it's like, you're going to hear something you've never heard before. I I was so nervous the first time about having him on. Because, you know, some people you just hear so many times and it's not a bad thing. I understand like every every person that does a podcast in our space wants to talk to Jimmy. Right. Right. I, everybody does. And of course they do, because he's a celebrity. You know, you want to talk to your Bob and your Jimmy. You know, you can basically I think most of us makers can probably make a top 10 list of people we want to talk to and then find a, a the longer running podcast have spoken to all of them. Because yeah. it's like they, that's yep. your bucket list of people that you want to talk to. And the one thing I always I, I appreciate so much is when I listen to someone talk to somebody I've heard a million times and I learn something new about them because it's like that's someone who's just doing their job as a host. It's right. not about having their presence in your presence. It's about bringing something out of them that brings value to your show and gets them talking about something that no one's ever gotten them to talk about. And yeah. I may not be the best at that, but I always try to do that. You're I always, darn good at that's it, what I shoot for. I mean, so. there was, there was a podcast and I won't name it cause I don't want to, you know, throw anybody under the bus, but they had a guest on. And one of the questions they asked, I was a guest that I know really well or have been following forever. I've never actually met this person, but they asked, you know, what are the three tools you would recommend? And I was like, oh, come on. Like, mm -hmm. how many people need to be asked that question? Like, if you're a woodworker and your first answer is not a table saw, I just, you know, like, you're going to answer <laughs> a table saw is the most important tool that you need. Most likely, I think 99% of woodworkers would agree with that. Power tool, I think, at least. I think what I think what, hap what should happen with a question like that, like, I know Making Our Way asks a question very similar to that. And I think one of the things that they do that's very clever, they kind of know the answer is not going to be typical. Right. Like they know they know the people to ask the question to. Yeah. Yep. You know, and I think that's just part of being a decent host, like knowing your guests. Like, I always say, I won't have you on this podcast if I don't know your work, even if your work is right. exceptional. Like, I, I've... I, if, if I get pitched, I'm literally I, in my inbox right now. I have three guest pitches from agents and oh, they're wow. just sitting there. And I'm like, I don't know what to do with these because I could, I could tell them, give me about a month to familiarize myself with the work of this person sure. and I will totally have them on. Yep. But then in my mind, I'm thinking is a month enough time? Like, are you going to be as comfortable talking to this person in a month? The answer is probably no. And right. I think one of the things that separates the podcasts I like from the ones that I listen to as background noise is how familiar they are with their guests. You know, when somebody right. comes on, when somebody comes on their show, do they take out a piece of paper that has their standard list of questions and they checkbox them as they're talking to the person? Yeah. You know, it's, and, it's like a, it's like a coffee date interview sometimes. And it's like, I don't think most people enjoy listening to that. At least I don't. And I, I listen to more podcasts than, anybody I know because I'm in my shop eight or 10 hours a day and I'm listening to podcasts. Most of it. I um, know not everyone loves him and that's fine. I'm not here to debate his merits, but Joe Rogan is a model podcaster. Absolutely. I, I totally agree with you. There. I, 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 I'm, I'm not going to apologize for loving Joe Rogan and his show. 
I'm not. And I'm not going to yep. expect people to come along on the Joe Rogan train. I get right, it. It's right. not for everybody. And that's fine. But what I will say is if you're starting a podcast, if you're starting a podcast or if you're just getting into it or if you're trying to get your, you know, you want to get your numbers up or your engagement higher or you want people to respect your show more, listen to about four episodes of what he does. Yeah. Because I think he is the prototype for what a good interviewer and a good podcast is. Well, I, mean, I really in, in, do. There's a skill set in being able to talk to somebody for three hours or however long his shows are. And yeah. and if it's somebody I know, like like I'm a huge Counting Crows fan. A lot of people who know me know that. And and Adam Dirtz, the, the front man of the Counting Crows, was on Joe Rogan a while ago. And you learned so many stories with a good interviewer that you probably would have never heard before. Mm-hmm. Um, like, you know, he talked about how his only car is his Carmen Ghia. And it's like, oh, that's a cool thing. Like, Bob has one of those, too. Bob has one of those. Yep. <laughs> and, and I've got a Beetle. Like, so I feel like I'm kind of in that same, you know, that niche of old Volkswagens. And mm-hmm. um, I, I, I really want to be able to just have someone on the show like that and just pick their brain for an hour and yep. call it a day. And I've, I've aimed for that. And I didn't realize how, when I started listening to Rogan, it really solidified what I want to do with this show more. Like, I right. really want to have those conversations. Like, I'll come in with like, I'm going to have this person on. I'm going to, we'll talk about this stuff and then see where it goes. A lot of times, you know, we'll end the conversation. I'll go, well, that didn't go where I thought it was going to go, but that was cool. <laughs> you know? Yeah. But that, I mean, that's kind of the best, best case scenario. If you, you it is. learn, learn some new things and. You know, you and you have, have to be, be able to you have to be able to take what people say and work with it. And yeah, and and be like be present. And one of the good parts about, you know, I've been doing podcasts since 2006. So one of the one of the things I've learned over the years is I don't take notes and I don't have a pa- a pad of paper in front of me. I don't have a list of questions in front of me. I don't have questions anywhere. I don't have them near me. I just listen and talk. And And if that produces a good episode, cool. If it doesn't, okay, we try again next week. No, I think it, I think it does because that, that is you, that is you in the moment coming through. That's not what you thought about yourself and how do I want to be perceived? This is just in the moment. This is live. Like, and And that's why I I only bring on people I know because I can have those conversations with people I know or people whose work I am super, I mean, I've had people on that I've never spoken to, but I know their work almost better than they do. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Right. When I had, when I had John Reddick on, he still talks about, he still talks about how surprised he was that I knew his body of work on Gen X grown up as well as I do. I'm like, well, I've been listening and watching for years. So of course, you know, Sure. but I think that's, I think that's where a lot of podcasts fall a little short. You know, they get excited yeah. about having a guest on, which is cool, but then they have the guest on and they, if there's no bond between, there's no investment in that guest. Right. It's just, they're, they're present for your show, which is, yeah. I mean, it's fine. A lot of people don't pick up on it. People that don't do interviews probably don't even pick up on that stuff. So, well, I mean, I, I don't, I don't do interviews, and I, I take note of it. <laughs> but it, <laughs> you listen to a lot of podcasts, though, so you're I listen sensitive to, to a it. ton of podcasts. I think most of my family probably gets tired of me hearing, "Hey, I heard this on a podcast. You should listen." <laughs> but it's, it's a, it's a really good form of media because sure. you can consume it while you're doing something else. You know, it's not like you know sitting in front of a TV where you, you're kind of stuck there. Like I can be in my shop, and I can you know, get a bunch of tasks done and learn at the same time. And, and I think that's really, really special about, you know, that's what I love about podcasts. 
I won't repeat it. I'll tell you afterwards. I won't repeat what was said, but I got a piece of advice right before I reboot, right as I ended Because We Make. Um, I got a piece of advice from a certain person we've talked about probably entirely too much in this episode. But he said something <laughs> I wonder who to, it is. <laughs> I wonder who. Um, but he said something to me and it made me realize, it made me realize that this is what I'm meant to do. And it's, it's, yep. it's, it kind of ties back to, you know, it was the same with you, right? Um, the way he was taught, the way you were inspired by him. Yep. The way this show is structured now was inspired by that same person with one thing that he said. And again, I will not repeat it. I will never repeat it publicly, but he well, said I it to me. I feel very special that I'm going to figure out what it was. Oh my God. He, so when, and when he said it, I repeated it to my ex-wife. Yep. Just going, you're not going to believe, I said, you're not going to believe what Jimmy just said to me. And she goes, what? I said, check this out. And I sent her a screenshot of the, of the chat that we were having. And she goes, well, he's right. I'm like, okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> right. But I mean, when you find what you are, you know, meant to do per se, it, yeah. it's a, it's a life changing event. I mean, I, I've never been, so happy as I am now just doing what I love. And I, I work seven days a week. I get up and I go into the shop just about every day. And I'm, I mean, I work around the clock and I don't, it doesn't feel like work, you know, like mm. one of the first, first days, it was like, maybe it was probably two days after I left my job. I got up early and I went on a hike and I was, I, there's this outlook near my house that kind of overlooks this highway and I just sat up there. I think and I, I know where I, it is, actually, because I've been to your area. <laughs> yeah, and it was just, I was looking at all the cars, and I was like, I don't have to drive to work right now. Like, yeah. And and I just, I was in this eternal sense of joy, and I just walked back down the trail, and I was just singing out loud. And I was like, I don't even care. If anybody walks up, like, I'm not going to stop singing. Like, I've never been this happy in my life. And it was like, I'm I'm definitely doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Wow. And and you know, just, just making things with my hands. It's always been, um, you know, what I've wanted to do. I talk about how I went to machining school and this was right after I graduated high school. My parents wanted me to go to college and I was like, I'm not going to go away because I have no idea. And if I'm in a dorm room with a bunch of other guys, like I'm just going to get myself into trouble. There's no way I'm going <laughs> to behave and get my work done. So I went to our community school having no idea what I was going to sign up for. And I just kind of sat in this classroom. I don't even remember how I got in there. And the woman was talking about, um, these are some classes you can take. And she's like, um, if you're a hands-on person, I'm the head of the manufacturing department and, uh, there's two slots left. And if that, if you're, you know, kind of a hands-on shop style person, I was like, that's me. Like, I that <laughs> up. And, and it was just a, one of those weird coincidences. Like I just happened to be in that class. So or in that classroom. And it, it set me on a trajectory, I think, because I've always wanted to make stuff. And where while I do is not manufacturing per se, I can put that manufacturing mindset into a lot of the things. Like if I'm building a bunch of cabinets and I have, you know, 16 panels that all need to be this size, like I'm going to batch them out and kind of try to make an assembly line out of it. And uh, there's a lot of just lessons i guess that i'm able to apply into woodworking uh similar to manufacturing that's that i think has been really beneficial to me so you get the added benefit of getting to work with your hands which is something you've always wanted to do and yep. then you get that pride of 
you know, that sense of accomplishment when you're done, you get to see a thing that wasn't there before. Oh like it's, yeah. It's the greatest feeling in the world. Like people that don't, people that don't make stuff or that don't create stuff. I'm not, I'm not downing them, right? This is not me downing them, but I'm just saying yep. you guys that don't make stuff. And I don't know how many listen to the show that don't make stuff, <laughs> but um, we'll never understand the feeling of, it's amazing finishing a thing and having a thing like i mean you i i was pro i realized i just realized that you got to see what i used to make in my day job you got to see the, yeah the, the that thing. was really cool too like <laughs> and I, you know, i've heard you talk about it but seeing it in person was like oh this is amazing like yeah, this, this is something you would see on a shelf yes yeah, what i do i mean this, and it's like and i I was telling, I was just telling Christian this on Monday that it was so like one of the products I made was on the shelf at Brookstone. And I actually have a picture of one of the Brookstone locations with them stacked in the front of the store. And that feeling, that feeling of seeing your stuff on a major retailer's shelf. Yeah. And that stuff that I made. Absolutely. Oh my God. Like I just, even it, right it now, is. it's like, it's surreal, right? That's that's a feeling that people that don't make stuff don't feel. They don't understand it. They, no, they'll no. never understand it. Like similar to that. I mean, this is. I mean, it's it's different. But I built a, a big display case for our local coffee shop that holds mm -hmm. like a bunch of baked goods and stuff. And you know, you walk into the store and it's kind of right there, front and center. And they were they were on the news a couple of weeks ago. And I was like, holy crap, like there's the piece I made on the news. And I'm like, nobody even knows I made that, but I know I made it. And like you know you made it, yeah. And and it's it's just a crazy feeling. And I made that over a year ago. And and it's that I feeling had, doesn't wear off. I had my first taste of that as a kid. Um, my dad, my dad worked for a company that made all of the wood trim and furniture I they called it furniture. It's not chairs and sofas. It's it's like the handrails and all that stuff. Okay. And it was in a local mall and we were walking around the mall and my father, we were walking down the stairs and my father goes, I remember making this. No way. And I'm like, I was a little kid. And even then yeah. I understood that that's a big freaking deal. I was like, you made right. this? Like, right. And he goes, every piece of wood in this mall my company made and I made all of the handrails for all of the staircases in the entire mall. And it hit me like a ton of bricks. I was like, yeah, this is something my dad made. Like, you know, right. wow, this is so cool. And every time, every time we went to that mall, I would see those handrails and I would think oh, my dad made this. Like, this is yeah. really, really cool. I would see people carving their names into it and I would get offended because they were carving their names into my yeah, dad's they work. Don't touch that. <laughs> um, that's, but, that's funny. You you say that my, so my uncle and my grandfather, they used to run a big cabinet shop. Like they would do high end custom kitchens and all kinds of custom woodwork. Um, so I grew up around it. Even when I was little, I would just go in there and just glue a bunch of random scrap wood together. And I was mm -hmm. in heaven. And I remember they were doing a project on a church one time and they had these big pieces with these big arcs and they were screwing some stuff together. And I was probably eight years old and they were like, Hey, you want to send a screw in? Like, yeah, you bet I do. And <laughs> so I, I remember just screwing a thing into this piece. And then, you know, there was the church, you know, years later. And I remember being on a field trip. This was a fourth grade field trip. I remember driving by that church and I was like, I put a screw in that church. And <laughs> my fourth grade teacher, I don't know what was wrong with her. She's like, Oh, why do you care? It's just one screw. And I was like, no, like that's a big deal to me. Like, 
Why would you? Why would you try to tear me down like that? Yeah, thanks, teach. <laughs> thanks. But you know, that's yeah. Everybody has that one nasty teacher, and there's always going to be somebody. There's always going to be somebody that's going to crap on your dreams, and sometimes it's a teacher. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you know, those people always just push you to go farther. Sure. For for me, at least, it's like, oh, oh, I can't do this. You bet I can. Like now, I'm going to do everything in my power to show you that. I can do it, even if it doesn't make any sense. It's not who's going to let let me; it's who's going to stop me. <laughs> yeah, you know, you, yeah. you it's it's interesting. It's interesting because you know that mindset of who's going to stop me. Sometimes it takes a big life change to kind of realize, like, I am capable of this. You know, you get it. You get into a comfortable rhythm in your life, and you just kind of like coast through, and everything's cool, and and adversity really does just kind of give you a little kick or, you know, you pivot on something in your life. It's like, Oh, there's no turning back now. Like that, this is an inflection point right here. Yeah. So, yep. And it's, it's, that's when you just dig your heels in deep sometimes and yeah, just really go for it. Hey, a cat cats fight best when their backs are up against the wall. I I did not know that, but yeah. Like when they can't run, you corner a cat, you're in big freaking trouble if that cat doesn't want to be touched. That cat will kick your ass. Cats typically don't like me for whatever reason. I think <laughs> I, I move in a way that scares them. You know, I walk into a room, there's a cat, and it flies out of there. So <laughs> hopefully, I don't put a cat in the corner. That's gonna be that's gonna be the subtitle of this episode: Christian Neary, scarer of cats. <laughs> yeah, it's, imagine. Well, that's a funny thing too. You said you know Christian Neary, and that that's my name, and that's what I've always gone by. And it's so funny when I first started this company, Warren Works. Warren is my middle name mm-hmm. um, for people who don't know. And I could always tell when it was like a spam call because I'd say, hey, we're looking for Warren. And be like, yeah. And, <laughs> but, but now, now everybody thinks my name is Warren. And I did. You know, people, lots of people do. People have DM me that. And I'm just kind of like, if you want to call me Warren, that's fine. Like, I, I'm kind of just embracing it at this point. Like, I don't really, I don't really know what to go by. I don't care. I mean, I've always gone as Christian. Lots Warren of can be your stage Chris. name. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And what I've always said is, you know, people who love me call me Christian. Everybody else calls me Chris, and uh, which is really true. My f- friends and family all call me Christian. And but but Warren is a great name too. I mean, I I love the name. Clearly, I love the name because I made it my company's name. Mm-hmm. And where did and, the name come? Oh, you said it's your middle name. It's your middle. It's name. my middle name. So yeah, when I when I was trying to think because I almost made the name Scenery Design, and I was like, that's just a little generic. I wanted it to be something a little less generic and. You know, as I said, I was big into cars, big into German cars, specifically Volkswagens. And uh, so I was talking to my good friend, Eddie, who's also big into cars. And when I was thinking about starting this company and I was like, I'm thinking about making it like works like the German spelling with an E. And he was like, oh, you have to do that. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. And then I checked the domain and Warren works with an O was taken and with the E was there. And I was like, well, it's a done deal because now I have WarrenWorks.com and I'm surprised you didn't do a play on the Volkswagen logo with two W's instead of a WV. <laughs> well, it kind of is the it is kind of the, the two W's is kind of an homage because the the VW follows through and but I didn't want to rip it off. And uh, <laughs> my good friend Reese he designed it for me. And this is the the silliest thing. Um, you know, my birthday is on the 29th of October, and I was looking at the gear icon the other day, and I counted it. And I was like, holy crap, it has 29 teeth. So I texted him that. And I was like, dude, like, did this just happen? He's like, no, you asked me to do that. And I just, I completely forgot that I didn't ask. And uh, so it's just, it's just kind of a cool thing. So, yeah, I, it, it's, it's, 
funny because I didn't know your name was Christian until recently. Oh, oh, right. oh you know what? I know. I'll tell you when I found out when you started, when you started supporting the show. Oh, interesting. I was like, what? Oh, oh, your name is Christian. Oh, yeah. okay. Yep. Cool. Like I met you at, I met you at Jimmy Speedway and we had, we chatted for, I don't know, an hour, an hour and a half, you know, me yeah, and Matt, see Matt make and a couple other people. Decent was there. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It was just a bunch of us just chilling. And it's like, I didn't even know your name, by the way, yeah. that happened way more than I'd like to admit. I bumped into so many people, said hi, talked to so many people, didn't even realize who they were. And then I'm I met them a name. second time and it was like, right okay <laughs> right right i can remember the place and i can remember the face but to actually remember your name is i'm probably gonna forget it <laughs> it's i am i know we said it before but i'm really looking forward to it this year like really really looking forward Me to too. it i've got a crazy idea for my cart and and you know jimmy said this this year he wants to be kind of wood inspired so i'm like well i'm a woodworker so i kind of have to go for it here and um i'm really we'll hoping i'm really hoping i've got an amazing idea Somebody Sorry. does like a soapbox, like a downhill soapbox type car for this particular. Oh, that event. would be cool. That like would be I cool. really am hoping I can't do it because I don't have a, I don't have a place to put it and I have no way to get it up there if I did make it. So, well, if you do, we can put it in the back of my van. I'll come pick it up for you. <laughs> the only way it would work, actually the only way it would work. And I know he's listening to this. The only way it would work is if I built it at Al's shop mm, and then we put it that. on his trailer and came across the river with it. I bet hmm. I would do that with you. I he's probably he's probably going to message me as soon as he hears it. Goes okay. Yeah. So when are we starting? Right, <laughs> right. I know Al. Well, now it has to happen. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, I I only have I I built a mini bike. It was one of my kind of COVID projects, mm -hmm. um, and so I brought that with me when we went up last year because I was oh, like, that this was your a, that was your mini bike. One well, there was a couple of mini bikes, but mine was a really low one that okay. was kind of. Um, but yeah, one one of the mini bikes was mine, cool. and it did terribly on the track because it's so low. It kept like skidding out every time you would try to go, and it you know went all of five miles an hour around the thing because it's really not made to take turns well. But it I was probably this, year, only... this year I'm going to build a cart. Yeah, I'm, you know what? I really want to build a cart. You should. I, I really want to build a cart. Like I've always wanted to go through that process, and you know what really inspired me to build the cart was Jimmy's coffin. The the that thing was so cool. Oh my God. It was gorgeous. The first time when I saw it, I was just like, this is the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. Like the, the detail work with the, with the wings and the, the pedals and the, yep. what, was it, what do you call it? Oh, the toe crusher. That's what he called it. The toe crusher. Oh, that's right. Oh man. It was, <sighs> it was so cool to see him like totally in his element too, because the, I don't know if you remember the steering mechanism in his thing Somebody completely broke it. fell apart. Yeah. yeah, well, it, it stripped out because it was just junk metal. And so he just took a bunch of bolts and welded them all around it to kind of encapsulate this thing. He's like, we got to get this thing back on the road. And it was super cool to just see him. I have some pictures of him just welding. I was like, this is amazing to just witness in person. <laughs> I think one, yeah. of the, one of my favorite parts of the whole event, one of my favorite parts of the whole event was just seeing the creativity and what people produced. Um, yeah. Was it Chris, absolutely. Chris Alchemist, 1964? I love, he's such a nice guy. He always he, sends me messages. And he's stuff. the best. He's the best. And he did the, um, he did the, the ladder. ladder yeah. He did the ladder and it was just like, that's goddamn genius. It's it like, is. he did that. And then art, art did some cool stuff. And it was yeah, like he had the crazy snowmobile powered, but the, the crazy part about Chris's too, was he had it all taken apart in like a station wagon and he showed up 
And I was like, you're the alchemist, right? And uh, he was like, yeah. And he was just putting it all together in the driveway. Like he totally disassembled this thing to even bring it there. And I was like, you're a madman. Like <laughs> this is, it was, it was truly something to, to, such a to witness. Be- such a beautiful car. Like it was, it was really beautiful. Him, the one that Bernie yeah. did was gorgeous. That was cool too. Oh yep. my God. It's, and you know, I, I had a lot of fun. Like I had the drone out over the track and I was flying the drone around and getting video of people. And I was taking pictures like Rob Rojas loaned me his camera. He's like, I'm going to oh, take cool. a couple of laps, play around with my camera for a little bit. So yeah. I, was, I got to play around with a camera I can't afford. That was really cool. And that, it was that, just like, it was so cool just seeing the parade of creativity. Absolutely. In that, and, in that area. And I, I remember telling like some of my family members, like, yeah, I'm going up to this go-kart event and they were all worried. They're like, don't get hurt. Make sure you wear a helmet. And I was like, no, like, I don't really know what to expect, but it's, it's not really about the go-karts like it is, but it's, <laughs> it's about hanging And like, I'm going to workbench con next month. And it's the same thing. Like, I don't really care about the classes. I'm going to just network with all these amazing people and just sure. take creativity from, from anybody I can, you know, that and, was, uh, that was the same thing with me at, um, at, um, uh, maker camp this year. Like I yeah. went there, I didn't go there for any of the classes. The classes, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm probably going to do that next year now, right? Next year, sure. I want to take some of the classes, but this year I want, I went there to hang out. I went there to see people I haven't seen in a while. I went, it was, or people I've never met in person. And it was so cool. I have so many selfies. I think I had like 50 or 60 selfies with different people that I had not ever bumped into in person. And it was right. just so damn cool to see all these people in the real world. I, I, I was even the other day when we were up at your shop, I was so glad that you were like, Hey, let's take a selfie real quick because I never think to do that. <laughs> the only time I really remember doing it was with Jimmy and I felt almost a little awkward. Like he's such a normal guy. And I'm like, can I, can I take a selfie with you? He's like, Oh yeah, of course. Like, but I, I just never think to do that with people. And I was glad that you did. Like we're going to capture this moment and remember it. I, I was, it was funny at maker camp because I really wanted to, I, I had my camera bag already. Like I had multiple cameras, lenses. I had my drone. Like I was ready to just go there and document the absolute crap out of the whole show. Right. And I didn't. And I'm so glad that I didn't. Because what it enabled me to do was I wasn't trying to just, you know, it was like, oh, I chatted with this person. Let me take a picture with them. Like just to, right. just so I have a, that that picture. Like I wanted that picture of me hanging out with these people who – totally you know, for the first time, Hey, we're meeting in real life. Like this is awesome. But I, I was in my mind, I was thinking like, if you have a camera out and you're trying to capture every moment, you're going to miss it. Yeah. You're going to end up not paying attention to the actual moment. Right. Right. You know, and instead it turned into one of the literal, one of the greatest days of my life. I think maker camp is one of the greatest Mm. events ever. I, I have to go this year. I was so relieved when you told me that it, it's not going to be Columbus Day weekend because I yeah. have, you usually have prior obligations yep. that weekend. And I mean, I you're not going like, to get a room. You're not going to get a room at the Blackthorn. Apparently, apparently they all sold out day of. So it's, you'll have to we'll have to find something I else. But I don't care. I'll sleep in my car. I mean, I'll, I'll figure it out. I'm. I'm. I don't know. I think I may. You know, Al kind of jokingly said um, last year, "Is like, well, you know, if you're going to come up all three days, you got a place to stay." And I'm thinking. I'm going to have to take him up on that because it's yeah. the only place that's going to be available is Al's guest how, room. <laughs> how far is he from there? He's in Germantown right across the river. So he's like 20, 20 minutes or so. Oh, that's not bad at all. I didn't yeah. realize he was that close. Yeah. The last time, the last time I went up to hang out with him for a little bit, that was, we went over, went across the river over to Jimmy's for a little bit. 
Nice. Um, and it was like, oh, okay, now I have a full perspective of how long a trip this is. And it's really not that far. It's, yeah. I it's mean, you would, think, you would think living in Connecticut, I know New York towns better, but I really don't. I mean, um, we don't know anything about Connecticut towns. The only yeah. reason I know where you live is because I've been there. <laughs> right. Which, which, why have you been here? So in October, um, was October? Yeah, yeah, it was October or the end of September. Connecticut Horror Fest was at the Advanced Center. Oh, oh, cool. And the woman I was dating at the time was exhibiting yep. there. So oh, that's I was at I was at Connecticut Horror Fest last year, well, and it was it was awesome. I had the greatest time. Like, I don't know where it's going to be this year. I know they're not doing it there. I think they're doing it in Hartford, um, so they could oh, do it in a bigger most venue stuff in Hartford. Yeah, yeah. Hart Hartford's a mud, the Hartford Civic Center is a much bigger venue than the. But I can see that building from my house. So if you're ever in the area, you should totally let me know. It was it was a it was a really fun two days. Like I. Oh my God. What a great show that is. If you've never, I don't know if you're into horror movies at all. Um, not a ton. I mean, uh, somewhat like I've, I watch them, but I'm not like a horror movie, horror movie buff. It's worth it. It's worth it. There's a lot of signings that go on. There's a lot of, um, there's a lot of memorabilia, a lot. Oh, cool. And not all of it. I'm not going to lie. Not all of it's licensed. Like I got some posters from a guy and I know for a fact, these are not like these original. Are like I yep. got, so this one, the one booth that I was really excited about, he had um, replica posters. They're clearly replicas. And it was like, buy a big one, get a small one for free. So the big one I bought was the original Hellraiser movie, which is one of my favorite horror movies of all time. And then it was like, okay, pick out a small one and you get both. And I was flipping through and I found a, the, um, the original Ghostbusters poster. Oh, wow. A smaller version of it, like tabloid size, like 11 by 17. So those are things I have to make frames for, not counting all the art that I've bought recently that I have to make frames for. It's like, yeah, maybe I should do a one day builds thing, but I'll do it. I'll do a one month build. That's what I should do. A one month build, like do 12 projects a year. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's a good idea, though. And, And that would be nice because then you could really spend some time on it. Um, no, that's so, about how long it would take me to do one of your one day builds. <laughs> well, I don't know about that. I, I've seen like your cutting board video. You got all those done in a day. And Oh, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. those those are, oh my God, those are as mechanical a process as I've ever had doing anything in my life. The only thing I could do faster than making cutting boards is edit this podcast now. Like it oh, literally, wow. this, this episode will probably be about an hour 30, hour 35. And yep. I will have it, if I do it today, I'll have it completely done and ready to post tonight. And it'll take oh, me like amazing. it'll take like two hours, two and a half hours to do the whole thing now. When cool. I did the first one, the first episode I recorded, which is the one with Al, even though Jimmy yep. was my first episode, that's right. The first one I did was with Al. It took me two days to edit it. <laughs> I believe it. I, I mean, it's an hour and a half. It's an hour and a half video. Or I, you know, I, what yeah. kills what kills me, and I have to figure out a more efficient way to do it. But what kills me is the camera switching. That right. takes time. If I was to just put you and me on the same screen with a cool background, it would take five minutes to edit this. Because like, then I would just have to adjust audio levels, fix color, and throw B-roll in where appropriate. But right. it's okay. I like the way – I like it now. It looks more polished. If I ever get a day job again, I might have to change the way it works. But for now, <laughs> it's good as it is. This is the day job. I mean – I wish it made the money of the day job. It's the only thing. Well, but. then more people, everybody listening, support the show. Come on. You heard, you heard him. He's, and he's saying that as a supporter. So, <laughs> well, Speaking you know, it's, it's not, uh, sorry, I just cut you off there, but you're fine. Go. Um, you talked about when you were first starting the podcast back up, 
mm-hmm. that you had people support before it even started. And I didn't even know that you were starting the podcast back up. I don't know how I missed it. Just one day because I had followed because we make, it just showed up like new episode with Jimmy DeResta. And I was like, <laughs> okay, I guess I'll listen to this today. <laughs> so he promised, you know, it was the coolest thing ever. Again, we're talking about Jimmy, but it's just a common element. Like well, when, it's, it, it's what brought us together. So. It is. Um, he told me, he told me if I ever brought the podcast back, he would be my first guest. So I was mulling it over one day. I was like, all right, I'm going to do it. And I messaged him. I was like, Hey, I distinctly remember a certain person saying they were going to be my first guest. If I brought the podcast back, I want to bring the podcast back. And his, his immediate answer was, when are we recording? That was his, that was the next sentence. When are we recording? Like, I can't, I can't ask for more than that. I can't ask for more than that. So no, but yeah, and then the amount of support that this show has gotten, I mean, it's way outstripped the support that Because We Make got, which surprised the hell out of me because that show had a three-year run. Right. But yeah, it's it's awesome. It's absolutely Good. awesome. Good. So, and I appreciate every single one of you. But before we get to me thanking and kissing all of your butts, why don't we do some things of the week? Because Christian, like a pro and a longtime listener, has brought two things of the week this week. I have, yep. <laughs> Um, okay. So my first thing of the week is, is definitely an oddball, but my first thing of the week is New York city. I think anybody who, who's in this area that, that drives through New York city knows it's a disaster to drive through (laughs) and you should take the GW bridge next time you go, because you're guaranteed to get stuck in traffic. And here's why I say that when you're stuck in traffic, you can look around and there's just so much amazing stuff to take inspiration from like i remember i was stuck under this one bridge and there were huge arcs they had to be i don't know hundreds of feet across and you look at like just the scale and size of each one of these and then there's six across and then to go across the river there's another five or six of those sections and you just think about the amount of manpower that had to come together to actually make that happen and it Mm -hmm. did and that is on every single corner. You go in Grand Central Station, which was built, you know, 110 years ago. Mm-hmm. And it's like, we have to hold a city up and stick trains underneath this. <laughs> and and it's, it's genuinely incredible if you just take a second to like, look at each each piece, like there's nothing, nothing for me that gets me more inspired than just looking at cities and, and the architecture, because you can look at the shape of a building and say, how could I make that into a table leg? Or, or you know, it's endless. And New York City, New York City, as much as it's crumbling now, is an engineering marvel in a lot of it's ways. It's amazing. Yeah, and and you could never, you could never see it all. And the fact that it just even is possible, it, mm-hmm. it just blows my mind when you really take a step back and well, and think about it. As a fan of, as someone who just mentioned the George Washington Bridge, you want to hear something mind blowing? I'm ready to be mind blown. Okay, that bridge isn't doesn't look the way it was supposed to look when it was done. Do you know this story? No. Okay, the George Washington Bridge was supposed to look like the Brooklyn Bridge, but oh, they, okay. they they kind of decided. I I think it was because of World War II or World. Yeah, I think it was World War II. They didn't have the production capability to make the bricks, and they didn't want to waste production capacity making bricks for a bridge. And they just left the the skeleton. That was supposed to be the internals of a brick bridge. Oh wow! Yeah, so that was that would have been slabbed in brick, the same way the the Brooklyn Bridge is. 
But instead, they left, they left the skeleton exposed because it was like we we don't have the we don't have the capacity to make brick to do this, so we're just going to leave it the way it is and call it done. Yeah, that's 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 cool. I didn't never never knew that. Wild piece of info for you, right? <laughs> well, there's so much cool history and trivia, yeah. and, and that's what I mean. Like, you know, there's there's just endless inspiration. You know, it's one of my biggest pet peeves when someone says, "Oh, I'm bored," and it's like, take a walk around the house or down the road. Oh yeah, you know, like there's there's stuff to see everywhere, and if you can't find inspiration in that, I I feel bad for you. When I lived in when I lived in Suffern, which is not the most happening town. I mean, I'm sorry, Rob. But Rob Rojas <laughs> lives in Suffern. We used to live f- literally five minutes apart. Um, it's not the most exciting place in the world to live, but what it does have is some insane, insane Revolutionary War history. And I don't mean just like this is interesting. I mean like holy crap, seriously. Like there right. is um like Lafayette Avenue, which runs through Suffern, is named for the French general Lafayette. And there were spots. There are spots with historical markers where George Washington met with. Lafayette to plan things in the Revolutionary War. It's like this happened five blocks from my house. Right here. (laughs) You know, 200 200 years ago, George Washington was walking on this land. Like, what? And, and yeah, I don't know how you wouldn't find just fascination in that. It's interesting. I mean, it is interesting. It's, And and that's everywhere. That's what I mean. Like, you can, there's cool, you know, trivial stuff everywhere you go. If you just open your eyes and, and change the way you think about it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Like I, I, I'm always looking at everybody's house to see what kind of garage they have. Cause I want to know what kind of shop that they could possibly have, even though most <laughs> of the people don't. And there was a house like four houses down the other day. I mean, I've lived here for six years almost. And I was like, Oh, they have a garage. I've never even noticed that before. And this is four houses down. It's like, how do you not see this? But, and I'm someone who, who is very observant of that kind of thing. And, you know, there's just there's just endless stuff to look at and and take in if you're just willing to to just consider it. I love it. I love it. So New York City is thing number one. What's thing this number thing, two? Hey, thing number two is a little more practical. Um, <laughs> it's called uh, CutListOptimizer.com. Ooh, okay. And this is I use this especially when I'm doing plywood projects. You can type in all the sizes of your pieces, and it will spit you out cut sheets for where you can cut up your plywood. And it it's it makes it makes laying out your materials super super efficient, and it's it's totally free. I think you can use you can have it do five calculations a day, and then if you do more than that, you have to pay for it. But I don't know who's building more than five projects a day, so it's essentially free for. Wow. Um, yeah, these are I've I've always liked these calculators, but they don't usually you do have to pay for them. This is actually really clean. I like this. Yeah, it's and it works amazing because you can enter in whatever your size of piece of plywood is. Like if you have an offcut plywood, the piece of plywood that's thirty-seven by, you know, forty-two, you can enter that in too, and it will still fit your pieces into that. Um, wow! And uh, it's it's super res- uh, resourceful. That's pretty damn neat. Yeah, it's a it's a good one. Oh yeah, I'm looking at. Okay, so I just did a sample. Wow. Okay, that's really really cool. It is. That's yeah. Really, and you could really enter, cool. you could use it for just normal size boards too. You can enter in whatever you're, and it can consider grain direction and blade kerf. Like it's, yeah. Put whoever made on it the path. really thought about it. This is obviously somebody who uses what he made or what they made. I should say. Yeah. I don't want to well, assume. I use it too. I, I, that has saved me because there are times I'm like, oh, I'm going to need a ton of sheets of plywood. And then I enter them all in. And I'm like, oh, I need four or five sheets less than I thought I did. 
I one of the one of the blessings of ha- having made so many cutting boards in such a close period of time is I kind of know roughly now how much I need to buy to get a cutting board out. Right. Like I know how many I know how much wood gets me a cutting board in the standard sizes that I make them in now. And yeah. there's so little waste now and it's just like I can feel my profit I can feel my profits going up and then those yeah. little scraps yep. like yeah I'll do something with those later but there's so few of them now it's not like Oh yeah, you're hogging off. The first time I went to the new place, I got ten board. I got a ten foot board of Paduke, a ten foot board of Cherry, mm-hmm. and then I just cut it straight in half, like an idiot. Right. Sounds like a good idea. Cut it in half, right? Well, no, because I make eighteen inch cutting boards. Right, and now you have a six inch off cut on both sides. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Right. So well, that that was one of the great pieces of advice they talk about on wood talk. Like if you're milling lumber, cut it into your your pieces first. Like don't try to mill, don't try to joint an edge on an eight foot board. You're going to be there all day, and you're going to waste half the board. Like if you need a bunch of two foot pieces, yeah. cut it into two foot sections, and then mm-hmm. then mill those. You're going to save a lot of wood that way. So the second time, headache. second time I went there, I took my Ryobi cordless saw and a couple of saw horses. And, yep. I me- and a ruler and I measured it in the parking lot and I made sure that I cut it where I could get two or three cutting boards right. out of it first. Yeah. Yeah. Much I've smarter. definitely, definitely been the guy in the parking lot with a saw cutting stuff up. Yep. Yep. But all right, this is a good one. Cutlistoptimizer.com. Definitely going to have that in the show notes. I think a lot of people are going to benefit from that one. This is actually the cleanest one I think I've ever seen. Like it's, it's great. All the other ones I've used, I don't, they don't work well for me. No, me neither. And, and, and again, usually you have to pay for it. If a couple of cuts out of one sheet, if you can take five, like, yeah, that's all I need. This is great. Well, no, I, that I gets you five calculations. You can enter a hundred numbers. Oh, you can okay. do five, five full cut sheets per day which is that's so it's that's generous as hell yeah unless you're running a cabinet shop in which case you should be paying for this right and then i think you can pay a couple bucks to have it for like a day unlimited love it which which i've done once or twice love it this is really good this is a really good one well i'm gonna give a practical one too because last week i gave a video game and not that anyone complained. No one ever complains when I give a video game or a movie. I can give a movie recommendation. Last night, um, last night, Diana and I watched the movie um, Violent Night on Peacock with um, the guy, David Harbour from um, Stranger Things. He plays, literally plays okay. Santa Claus stopping mercenaries from, from keeping hostages, a rich family a hostage. Wow. So, crazy ass movie. Loved it. So there you go. But that's not really a thing of the week. My thing of the week is a YouTube channel. And it's a YouTube channel that I have learned a ridiculous amount of stuff from over the last couple of weeks. Like if you've watched, if you're watching my, if you're watching this on video, you've seen the result of me watching this channel. You've heard the result of me watching this channel. The channel is Premier Gal. Um, Hmm. It's youtube.com slash at Premier Gal. She is an absolute wizard with Adobe Premiere. And that's what I use to edit the show. That's what I use to edit the podcast. So I've been watching her videos and I swear in every video, there's like a light bulb moment, like every single video I learned the the shorts. When I make the shorts, the shorts are the biggest pain in the ass of making this podcast because I have to kind of find my way back to it. Usually what I'll do is I'll mark off where I'm going to clip the shorts after I'm done and then I make the shorts, but there's so much tweaking to get them down under a minute. And then oh, the, 
Yeah. And the audio and the making sure everything works. Sometimes I have to change the conversation a little bit just so that the shorter work. One of the things that I learned watching her channel is how to make the audio duck automatically in Premiere. I didn't okay. even know it could do that. But what does now, that mean? So basically, when you if you and I had a music bed under us right now, yep. this would basically take that audio and lower it so that it's behind our voices rather than at the same level. Okay. iMovie does this automatically, by the way. iMovie will do this. It does. Um, it does. Um, which is kind of crazy. It's called. Um, but yeah, it's, I've learned so much. I've learned so much. I swear. I don't know how she does this for free, but she has 432,000 subscribers. So I'm not like finding some hipster found it before everybody else channel. It's right. Her, 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 her videos are amazing. That she doesn't, great. she does premiere. She does a little bit of after effects. She does a little bit of other stuff, but she focuses mostly on premiere. And if you're a premiere user, you need to be watching this channel. She's absolutely wonderful. She's a great teacher. And she understands how normal people look at Premiere. She's not doing it from a hyper-technical point of view. So I would highly recommend. I think her name is Kelsey. Um, she never says her name. She just introduced herself as Premiere Gal. So, oh. <laughs> um, Which is, if somebody names themselves after a piece of software, you're probably safe listening to what they have to say. <laughs> right. Absolutely. So. Definitely check her channel out if you're using Premiere. It's 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 wild how much I've learned from her. Um, you know what else is wild? That a I bunch think of I know. that a bunch of people support this show financially and listen to this every single week. People like Matthew Serio from Artigiano Serio, Big Al Schultz of New York Woodworks, Tori Decker of Tori Did It, Ed Swanson of Ed's Clocks and More, Jake Drews of Make with Drake. Make with Jake, not make with Drake. That would be a very different channel. Um, <laughs> Meg and Chris from Onyx Designs Woodwork. Christian Neary of Warren Works. Look at Ooh. that. I know that guy. Um, Jeff Stein, a.k.a. a weird guy. Kim and Garrett from Kim and Garrett Make It. Rory Langefeld of RLL Woodworks and DIY. Robert J. Keller. Rebecca Cole of Beck C Designs. Brian Arsenault, the Seven Hills Maker. Lars Coleman of Colorado Multicraft. Dave Bauer of Dave Bauer Art. Nick Birchtold of Birchtold Design Build. Jeremy Spies, Mike from Pixels to Prototype, Donald LeBlanc of Fun with Woodworking, Grant Alexander from the Clamp Podcast, Brad Harrison of Brad's Customs, and Billy Poulton of Poulton Projects. Thank you so much to everyone that supports this show financially. It is tremendously appreciated. Believe me, it is tremendously appreciated. Um, every once in a while, I go into the bank account that all those payments go into when I'm in a bit of a bind and there's something in there. And I cannot tell you how much that means to me because you are definitely helping me get through a time that has not been easy. So thank you for all of that. If you can't support the show financially, then you should just stop listening because I have no use for you. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> I really appreciate it. Whatever you can do to support the show is tremendously appreciated. Share the show, write a review, whatever you can do to turn a new person onto the show. That is, of course, appreciated because people listening are what my goal is for this show. So do whatever you can. And I appreciate all of it. So thank you. Christian, it's been an absolute hoot, man. <laughs> yeah, this has been great. I want to let you know that every every time I hear you read my name, I always do that. I go, woo-woo, like, <laughs> no matter where I am. And, uh, I, I, I won't support a podcast on a tier where I don't get to hear my name because I'm a vanity I'm vanity focused. So <laughs> I want to hear my name in yeah. the credits on a podcast. That's my it, goal. It feels good. It feels it good. It does. And I love, 
you know, it's funny. If I think about how many people I'm supporting versus how many people are supporting me, if I just stopped supporting all those people, then the people supporting me would probably be worth a little more. But <laughs> I was talking to Artigiano Serio, Matt, um, about this. And I was like, I said, if I ever start pulling my sponsorship on Patreon, just check in on me something. It's really gotten bad. Like yeah. I just, the people I support, I support because I love what they do. And I hope that the people who support this show feel the same way about. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, Christian, where can people find more of you and what you're up to and what you're doing at any given moment? Um, so uh, right now I'm probably most active on Instagram and that is Warren W A R R E N underscore works W E R K S. Um, I post on there. My stories are pretty much daily. Um, and then lately I've been hitting YouTube hard. So that's just uh, Warren works on YouTube. I do have a website, but I'm not too active on there. And that's just warrenworks.com. Okay. I will have, obviously, I'll have those links in the show notes. And thank you so much for coming on. And thank you for being one of the supporters on that list. I really, really appreciate it. Oh, absolutely. I appreciate having something to listen to every Wednesday morning. Woohoo! That's what a lot of people said when I canceled Because We Make. It's like, what am I going to listen to on Wednesday? But, you know, we will be back again next week. I think I have an idea who the guest is going to be. Not 100% sure. But um, I might be recording another episode in a couple of days, which is kind of wild. But that's the benefit of being able to record during the day. And you guys get to benefit from it. So hold tight. There'll be another episode next week. And I will chat with you then. Mm-hmm.